0: Skinny, oh man, skinny guy. I've never seen him do that skinny. He, he is does, so skinny. He looks lost in that uniform.
1: Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host Marcus Mead and joining me as always a man who was once again passed up for the GM role with the Kansas City Royals. So disappointing. My brother, Mike. Hi, everybody. Mike, are you heartbroken? Why do you think that you keep getting passed up for this GM job? Uh, I would imagine
0: it's the level of pornography that I watch, and possibly um, the fact that you know I'm edgy, and I believe in like you know analytics and things like that. So
1: <laughs> Ryan O'Hearn would have no place on your uh, on your roster, is what I'm hearing you say. He
0: he wouldn't be getting daily at bats in 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 a Mike Mead coach or GM'd team. That is true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and this is why you'll never be a gm on any this team why, he yeah, has a place right. in major league baseball for life and that is the only reason why <laughs> that's the only reason it's not because you have no baseball experience it's nope. not because you stop playing after high school it's not nope. because you you know uh, it's, not, it's ha- not
0: the bad facial hair the abrasive personality the uh any of that
1: other stuff it's the, the fact the that you're not allowed issue. in 13 or 14 different <laughs> states yeah, yeah none of that stuff all right. Well, uh maybe next time. We'll keep keep keep, keep hope alive. Keep <laughs> hope alive. Uh this week on Royals Weekly, we'll review a week that may have been more interesting off the field than on it, discuss the upcoming offseason and preview this week's slate of games against some divisional rivals. But let's not just talk about it, let's be about it by talking about it. To the baseball The roster news this week, the interesting stuff wasn't really roster news itself. I would say I'm counting this in the roster news segment, but really it's front office news. It's, It's organizational news more than anything. And that is that general manager Dayton Moore was promoted to team president and JJ Piccolo was promoted to general manager to replace him. This was kind of a long coming move that people sort of predicted for a while now because JJ Piccolo has been highly sought after as a GM by other teams because the Royals highly value him because the minor league system has been really good as of late, especially this year. Mike, what impact do you think this will have on the team as a whole moving forward? I don't think it has very much of an impact as far as
0: personnel on the team or um, drafting or anything like that. I think uh, G- GM DM. Dayton Moore is going to still have a whole lot of influence on what goes on with the roster construction of this organization. But I think it was just the move to keep Piccolo. That was really it. Here's my question. If Dayton Moore took the president's job, who was president before him?
1: My guess is no one,
0: nobody, Uh, (laughs) nobody. Like, Hey, uh, we got to pay these guys more. Let's come up with something and do it.
1: Well, this is not an uncommon sort of team structure. A lot of teams have team presidents and GMs. Um, the Cubs did it when they had Theo Epstein and things like that. But that's the question that ultimately, jumps into my mind when I hear this news is like, what's the difference? what is the distinction really between team president and general manager? I think us as fans would sort of say, if we sort of knew enough about the team, maybe the general manager focuses more specifically and technically on like roster construction and things like that. Whereas the team president might handle, more uh, broad scope things as well like marketing or, or something like that might also fall into the purview of a team president. I'm not exactly sure. I don't know that Dayton Moore will end up handling any of that t- stuff. Um, we can look at the Chiefs and say like, well, their team president, who I think is Mark Donovan, if I'm not mistaken, If it um, was for a
0: long time, if it isn't still um,
1: yeah. it handles a lot of the sort of like businessy aspects of running a, a football team. And then their GM, Brad Veach, focuses almost entirely on roster construction. Uh, if, if the structure of a baseball team works similarly. That might be the case though. I don't see Dayton Moore having any interest in running like the business aspects of a baseball team. I see him as holding the title of team president and still focusing most intently on things like roster construction, signing players, uh, you know, even being uh, over the top of say our player development, minor league construction and things like that. And so uh, I don't see a huge shift, though. I'm guessing Piccolo will have a larger voice in some of the major league, like big league roster construction decisions, adding people to the 40 man, promoting to the major leagues, signing of coaches and things like that at the major league level. I think that he'll have an impact on that.
0: And I, I actually heard him say that he said in the interview that I saw it, I think it might have been the one on the broadcast. I can't remember now. But he basically stated, what it means for me is that I'll be involved more in what's going on at the major league level. I won't be traveling as much with the, to see minor league affiliates and to do that sort of stuff. Um, I think what this basically is, it's Dayton Moore getting a partner to share the workload because he's been doing this for so long now, I'm sure he wants to step back a little bit. And Pacolo getting GM experience that he wanted or the GM position that he was going to get with us or somebody else either way. So And the Royals seem to like him a lot from the things I've heard from the guy. I like him, I guess he's a little more old school than what I would be, but you know, JJ Piccolo knows talent is what people say. And so, you know, I'm good with it.
1: And frankly, you can't argue with the results from JJ Piccolo and and there are people praising him for sort of taking on and being willing to adapt to this new school approach to things like hitting analytics, hitting development, things like that. When he signed or when he, uh, yeah, signed um, with Drew What's his name? Those two hitting coordinators, so the people who are now minorly no, like hitting coordinators. Armstrong,
0: and, one of them? No, it's like uh, Andrew yeah.
1: Simult, and um, I can't think of the other guy's name right now. Um, but s- the a a story on hitting. Today. Co- yeah, yeah they, they've received a lot of press. Uh, Pacola was willing to sign these two new hitting coordinators who brought a new sort of new style or new approach to hitting development. And that's paid huge dividends for the Royals this year. And that's what got him this GM job. Like if they, the Royals knew that. Based on the success of the Royals minor leaguers this year, based on the turnaround of Nick Prado, MJ Melendez, and the um, breakout of Bobby Witt Jr., J.J. Piccolo was going to find a GM job somewhere this offseason. That was going to happen probably. And so they were like, let's keep him around. We'll give him the GM spot here. More will move up to team president. The question that I'm left with is there was another guy, Scott Sharp assistant GM who's really highly thought of among the Royals faithful and among outside in the industry, let's say, um, what's he going to do? Is he going to see this as a move? That's like, now I have no future with the Royals. I need to start looking elsewhere for a GM job.
0: And I saw, uh, Pacolo mention sharp and say, Hey, we're going to be working really closely together. You know, I've got people, he's like, it was in his, I've got good people to lean on part of his address there. Like, and he mentioned sharp. And that was what I was thinking as well, because when it was announced, there were some people that speculated that they might be making Sharp the GM, not yeah. JJ Piccolo. So either way, I think it works out. I think he ended up with good people either way. So I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Uh, what, what I will be looking for is how much does Dayton Moore still take on? Does it become something where just Piccolo's got the GM title, but he Moore's still making all the calls, or is it hey he really wants to take a step back and JJ Piccolo is going to run with this thing?
1: I will say Dayton Moore seems like the type of dude who would be like this is your decision to make you're the GM now a very sort of collaborative uh, environment. I, I, as I would, I would imagine he would sort of uh, create and I, I think Piccolo sort of, I think what his, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if Dayton Moore's role is more, whatever you decide, JJ, I'm just here to back you with ownership. I'm just here to sort of make whatever pitch you want to make to ownership, to go spend money on a player, to increase the budget, to to do these various things. It wouldn't surprise me if Dayton Moore's just sort of the last rung of the ladder where he says, okay, JJ, tell me what we're planning to do and I'll go help you pitch this to ownership or something like that. That wouldn't surprise me if it ultimately gets to that point while Pacolo still sort of develops a relationship with Sherman and, and that sort of thing. There was actual roster news too, among the players, among the people who are actually on the roster. Uh, and so in fact, a lot of it has to do with pitching because we're hitting that point of, this, of the year where all that pitching is starting to wear down pretty badly. So a lot of it was pitchers moving up and down being recalled, being shuttled to different places. Brady Singer got put on the 10-day I.L. this week, although it's not clear to us whether or not he's actually going to stay there. That might just be a roster move because right now he's listed as a probable for tomorrow's game, first game of a doubleheader. So we'll see if he makes that start. I think he will. He probably came off the I.L. already and it's just not on their transactions um, list yet. Um, So, yeah, we think Singer will, will be fine there. Uh, sadly, Richard Lovelady did get moved to the 60-day IL. We worried when his injury was announced that his forearm strain was often a precursor to something larger. And this seems like, yeah, it is. Uh, He's on the 60-day IL right now. Uh, So we'll see how uh, he ends up bouncing back from that. Hopefully he has a chance to get back by next year and still make an impact on the Royals because he was having sort of his – Breakout year. His uh, ability to sort of he found the ability to start getting major league hitters out and was starting to stick with the team. And so hopefully he can sort of bounce back from that as quickly as possible. In really exciting news, the Royals recalled Kyle Isbell this week when uh, Michael A. Taylor went on the family uh, emergency medical list and he has played pretty well so far. I've really liked, I got, I got a chance to go out to the game on Thursday and watching him play was incredible. He made a great catch in center field. I think I saw it was like 35% catch probability. He ran a whole long way to long get to the wall. Long way, yeah. Played, played, played the wall really well and, and made the catch. I was not expecting that. And so it was really great to see. And he's hit the ball pretty well too since he's been up and then uh, John Heasley made his M- major league debut. I didn't expect this, this, sh- this season, but the Royals need pitching so badly. And, and, and so many people are up and down that Heasley had to make a start. He went four innings, uh, gave up four earned runs, two strikeouts, no walks and two home runs looked okay. Not great. Not terrible. Uh, sort of respectable for your first time out in the major leagues, especially when you're jumping straight from double a to uh, major league baseball. So congratulations to him making his MLB debut. Looks like a guy who could be exciting and interesting moving forward.
0: Yeah, and this is the one sad thing that uh, that I'm sad that I missed this week. I I don't get to watch a lot of baseball right now because I'm in the middle of coaching football, but I wanted to see John Heasley start, and I didn't get a chance to. If you get a chance to, check him out. You will fall in love with that curveball. It's a sexy, sexy pitch, and he brings the heat too, so he's a fun guy to watch throw, but, again, I didn't get a chance to this week. So hopefully if he gets one more start, I'll be able to squeeze that one in and see it or maybe a couple more starts. We'll see as uh now it's like
1: throw a dartboard to see who's starting that day. So maybe he'll get in there again. That's my hope. And yeah, the great worry is like, I hope this isn't going to do any long-term damage to any of these pitchers. I hope you don't see like a, a UCL injury or some sort of shoulder problem for these pitchers who have now gone way past the innings that they pitched last year, uh, way, way past. And so you just worry about like, well, what does that mean? They're, they're clearly exhausted. Daniel Lynch is exhausted. Carlos Hernandez is exhausted. They're clearly toast, but they got two more weeks to go. And so hopefully this doesn't cause any sort of long-term injury.
0: Well, and I think that's why they have so many starters that they're throwing in there right now, because they're hoping that an extra day of rest mitigates the fact that they're throwing so many more innings than what they did last year. Um, We'll see if that's the case. I hope that's the case. But right now, I'm just excited that I get to see so many young guys start, and then I can skip the Mike Minor days.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a little bit like putting a bandaid on a broken leg though at that, you know, we got two weeks left. Let's start skipping one day for this guy or something like that. It's like, we'll give him one more day of rest. Okay, great. He's now thrown a hundred more innings than he did last year. Um, But we'll see how that ultimately works out. Just hold on there for two more weeks, guys. Just hang in there. If you got to just lob meatballs in there, it doesn't really matter. It's all for charity. On the field this week, the Royals were not exceptional. They went two and four to bring their overall record to 67 and 82. It's not super surprising considering the level of competition they faced this week with the Mariners and the A's, both good teams, both in the middle of trying to grab the last wild card spot. Um, Mike, what are your thoughts on how the Royals uh, performed this week?
0: Uh, you know, not surprised. Like you just said, um, you're going against two organizations, especially one in the A's that just do it right, man. And they hit the, they hit the crap out of the ball. And you were going in there with, a tape together, starting rotation, bringing in guys like John Heasley.
1: Hitting Ryan, out, <laughs> hitting Ryan O'Hearn every other day.
0: Hitting Ryan O'Hearn every other day. You got your center fielder out for the beginning of the things. So, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a surprise that they struggled this week, but it's good to see. I guess I guess the toughest part to see was that some of those young pitchers really struggled this week. And you'll want to go out there. You're like, hey, I want to see Carlos Hernandez do well every single time he's out there. I want to see Daniel Lynch you know, not get hurt in his start. I want to see, you know, these guys go out there and light it up in one of these things and show I'm here and I'm here to stay, but we didn't see that this week. Um, And that's probably more disappointing than the overall record.
1: Yeah. But there were a few guys who played pretty well. Actually, like quite a few of our hitters had good numbers from this week. Uh, I'm going to talk about Hunter Dozier because we finally have a chance to put him in the strong performances category. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hunter Dozier had a really good week. He was seven for 19, two doubles, two home runs, Two walks and six strikeouts. He got a, a really crushed a line drive double on the game that I went to. Uh, it was great to see him start hitting. He's a conundrum, you know. He's a weird, weird guy. A little bit like Adam Erto Mondesi, where you just don't know what to do with him. Like Mondesi, you know that if he's if he's healthy, you play him. Dozier, it's like, is he going to come out and? Is he, do you give him another chance? Is he going to come out and just sort of throw up another two hundred batting average month again to start next year? It's really tough. I think the Royals sort of have no choice but to give him a chance to win a job maybe but are you gonna let him block a Bobby Witt Jr are you gonna let him block you know or keep somebody like Nicky Lopez out of the lineup or something like that how about Whit Merrifield you know like it's just it's tough to let Dozier keep somebody out of the lineup after the season he's had so far but it's really good to see him start to hit occasionally now and it'll be interesting to see what he does in spring training and to start off next season because I think the first month of next season is like the most important month of his big league career of his professional baseball career.
0: Yeah. They're going to give him time. Uh, I don't think that's even in question. I think they're definitely going to give him a couple months to start next year. And unless he's just really tanking again, I think he stays in there. Maybe not the best decision, but that's usually just what the Royals do. Uh, my boy Kyle Isbell had a, a good week coming back to the majors again this week, four for 13, a double, a home run, Three strikeouts and one walk. You talked about the good, the solid play in center field. That's really what we're all looking for at this point. I think that Kyle Lisbeth, once he figures it out, is going to be able to hit here. But is he going to be able to play to the level the Royals want in center field, which is pretty high? Um, he, he was able to do that this week. So we'll see moving forward. It's also, I, I want to see how much they play him in center, even though Michael A. Taylor's back. I don't think they're going to because Matheny's not a. Hey, let's see what we got moving forward. Kind of guy, he's a, I want to win today, damn it. Kind of guy, you know. So, uh, but I really want to see him in center field.
1: Yeah, why wouldn't you want to win today when you are completely removed from c- competition? In fact, they were mathematical. The Royals were mathematically eliminated today, and so why why wouldn't you want to try and win every game right now and not see what your young guys have and give them experience at the major league level? Makes total sense to me. Uh, but they do seem to make decisions as if they are trying to win right now, like this game today, and is more important than our ability to win next year, which just drives me. I just can't, I can't fathom that, that, that logic. I I get it. You're a competitive person. I understand that, but I'm a long-term thinker myself. And so I think like, Oh, okay. I want the ability to be competitive tomorrow, not just today. Um, and so, uh, we'll see, uh, if, if that keeps going on, Ryan O'Hearn, you keep hanging in there, buddy. If I, I, if I were him, I would just follow Matheny place to place and you'll always have a job. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you always have a, a place to play. Uh, speaking of weak performances in Ryan O'Hearn, he had a rough week this week. Uh, he was one for seven, three walks, three walks was pretty good. One strikeout. He had one big error in the game on Thursday that I went to got a ground ball hit right to him, clanked right off his glove, like a tin can. It was rough. Uh, and that really opened things up for uh, the A's in, in that game. So yeah, just, it's not clear to me why he keeps getting chances. Uh, maybe a great guy, maybe a really good AAA player. But just not, or maybe maybe he'll have a resurgence like Frank the Tank did, and and, and he'll find it some, somewhere else. But I'll tell you right now, it is not how he has done literally nothing to earn the amount of playing time that he currently gets, and so we'll see on that one. I guess for the uninitiated, Mark is talking about Frank Schwindel, yeah, the guy who is uh, currently
0: playing every day for the Cubs, who the Royal was a three A or four A player for the Royals a while back. Here's my question. If you're Ryan McBroom, the other Ryan, how are you feeling about this? <laughs>
1: Man, you like, gotta hit he's hit like 31 home runs 31 in triple A. Right runs
0: now. In AAA. Ryan O'Hearn can't do that. Why does that Ryan get to keep play Major League Baseball every day? And I'm sitting down here in Omaha. That's uh, a good question.
1: That is such a good question. <laughs> if you're Ryan McBroom, you gotta be like, What's the problem here? Is my last name, He's my, like, my last name is also Irish. Why can't I get in there? What's Orion got to do to get, what's to a get Ryan, a... what's Orion a got to do to get, get some major league playing time? Hit 35 home runs in a minor league season? Um, yeah, no, it, good question. McBroom's got to be seething down there. He's just seething. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, Kyle Zimmer because he had a
0: uh, tough week this week as well. 3.1 innings pitched, five runs, four of those earned, two walks, no strikeouts for uh, Kyle Zimmerman, I I think Zimmer,
1: he means Zimmer. Sorry. Kyle Zimmerman's his cousin. Yeah.
0: We, uh, I just don't know that Kyle Zimmer is the guy that we want him to be. I know he had a big year last year in the 60 game season and whatnot, but he has a tough time staying healthy. He doesn't throw all that hard necessarily. So he leans really heavy on that slider. And so guys look for that slider. You throw one bad one in a bat and blammo it's getting killed. So I, you know, the Royals are going to have to, they're going to keep him. He's going to be part of the bullpen to start next year. He really needs to prove something in these last few weeks and next year at the beginning of the year, or you're looking at a guy who's not going to get high leverage innings. He won't be a high leverage guy for you unless he can uh, really figure something out.
1: Yeah. And it, it might be that they decide that high leverage isn't his thing and his value really comes that he'll throw two or three innings at a time. That might be valuable too, but uh, you really may not want him coming in in moments where you need to not give up a home run, where you need to not give up some big hits.
0: Yeah, but is is that that valuable for the Royals when you already have Scott Barlow? He's the your second best guy that can go two innings. right I mean yeah,
1: yeah, but I mean, it is multi- inning relievers in my mind are always valuable even if they can only even if they're the like seventh eighth guy out of your bullpen because I'd rather have a the seventh and eighth guy be a guy who could go two or three innings even in mop up than a guy who can only go one in mop up, you know yeah uh, and so we might as well have a a couple of multi- inning relievers on your in your bullpen. But if you're Zimmer, that's not the role you want. You want to be p- pitching important innings. You want to be a guy who can be counted on to get people out. And so hopefully, uh, maybe it just is like fatigue or exhaustion from him. This is a lot more than he's pitched in a season. Uh, And so hopefully that's what that is. And we'll see at the start of next year what he's looking like then. Oddly, my theme sort of jives with some of this uh, decisions to play O'Hearn, Zimmer on and off, that sort of thing. And that is that the Royals right now or this week have looked baffling at times and really exciting at other times. Baffling because they seem to be trying to win every game to the exclusion of playing players who need major league playing time and major league experience. And exciting because sometimes those guys get time, like like uh, Kyle Isbell, and it's really exciting to watch them play. So, I would have liked to have seen Isbell when he came up. They say, "Okay, you're you're Michael A. Taylor is going to be out for four or five days. You're getting every single start in center field. We want to see you against righties, against lefties, against all of them. Does not matter. It doesn't matter if Kyle Isbell hits against lefties, like." They seem to be taking him out of the lineup against lefties. And it's like, good, let him gain major league experience hitting against lefties. Stop pulling him from the lineup. He needs to play every day. We're not way. Oh, oh, we need to win this game against this lefty. No, you don't. This season is over. Stop it. Let him gain that major league experience instead of just sitting there on the bench. And I hope that's the case moving forward, too. I worry that now that Michael A. Taylor's back. Kyle Isbell is going to get one game every four or five days. And it's like, what a waste. Don't just have him sit there, send him back to AAA if you have to, because at least then he'll hit every day.
0: Yeah. The, the thing that worries me is he's going to get one start every week and it's not even going to be in center. It's going to be like, ah, yeah. oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, but my big thing is also on this from now on, just stay healthy. We saw Daniel Lynch come out of his start this week. We see singer going to the IL. We see love lady going to the IL. This week has opened my eyes to the fact that really to stay healthy at this point, if you got to pull guys after four innings in a start, okay with that. If it means you're leaning heavy on a bullpen that isn't very good to begin with, I'm okay with that. If it means like today Scott Blewitt got some innings, if it means Blewitt gets innings, I'm okay with that even because that's (laughs) what guys like Scott Blewitt are for uh, to keep your other guys healthy. So I'm not uh, just stay healthy. We can't have any of those starters go down and. Let's start getting ready for next year.
1: If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Royals Weekly. We're two weeks away from the start of the offseason, and there's a lot the Royals need to consider. I'm sure the front office will be hoping to compete in 22. They hope to compete all the time. And if that's the case, this roster will need significant work. The Royals have a large group of players eligible for the rule five draft this offseason. If they aren't placed on the 40 man roster, they'll be lost to some other team. So it'll be interesting to see what maneuvers they make to make room for key prospects who they don't want to lose to other teams. If you don't know what the Rule Five Draft is, it's just a way of allowing minor league players who are kept in the minors for a long period of time to be taken by other teams, who are kept off 40-man rosters, to be taken by other teams. So the rule is, if you're 18 years or younger and you've been in the minor leagues for five seasons and you haven't been placed on a 40-man roster, you are eligible to be drafted by other teams. That's how we got Brad Keller. Uh, that's how we got uh, a few other guys. Uh, Joe jo Kim Soria. Uh, the, jo- if you're Joe Kim, jo Kim. I, I always call him Joe Kim in my mind, but it's actually Joaquin. Uh, Joaquin Soria. <laughs> Um, if you're 19 or older, you're eligible after four seasons in the minors. So you can think about, think back in your mind, like who's eligible. Now there are some key, key prospects. The Royals have who are eligible that they're going to need to put on that 40 man roster, which means some of the guys in the 40 man roster are going to have to come off. And so they got to make those decisions this off season. But even beyond that, the team needs to work to round out a roster that looks like it could have some potential, but right now is filled with inconsistency. Mike, let's pretend that you weren't cruelly passed up for the GM position because it was a, a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's your number one focus for this offseason for the Royals?
0: Well, first, it is a tragedy on the scale of like who knows tragedies uh, in human history. It's up climate there, change. It's up yeah. there.
1: Mm-hmm, it's up mm-hmm. there. Mostly I because humans wrong. caused it and they caused your misery as well.
0: Yes, they have. Um, but I'm I'm focusing mostly on the starting rotation in this offseason. In one of two ways, or maybe both. It's probably both, to be honest with you. Um, they need to solidify those guys and develop those guys that they have right now: the Hernandezes, the Lynches, the Singers, the boobitches, the uh, who am I leaving off here? The Coar, Co-R. okay. Even the Kellers. They need to get those guys to a really good place to start next year. That's number one priority in my set, in my case. But here's the other thing: I still, even if all they develop all those guys, I still think. They probably need to go get one veteran starting pitcher that solidifies that group. Now, what what you're probably saying is, well, Mike, that's already six guys. If you go get another one, that's a seventh. You know, they're still going to have Mike Miner too, by the way, unless they trade him this offseason. But I'm saying go get yourself a quality guy, a James Shields level guy that says, okay, we know he's going to be out there we know we can count on him we know or or he we know he's going to be a versatile piece at the very least so that we have somebody that every fifth day boom he's out there and he has a chance to stop a losing streak streak or start a winning streak whatever you want to think of it go get somebody like that and i'm okay
1: and the weird thing is the royals don't have a ton of budget obligation for 2022 they they they're, they're, they're going they're projected to have a pretty low payroll as they are right now so if they think to themselves hey we're going to compete in 2022 They can afford to go out and get that guy. Uh, Now it's not going to be cheap. Starting pitching, reliable starting pitching is always expensive, no matter what it's either going to be expensive in money prospects or both. And so they, you know, if they want to do it, they got to know that this is the guy, this is reliable, and they got to know that they're going to pay to get it, but they can afford to get it. They have the prospects. They have the money. Uh, If they get a free agency, I would rather they just pay in money and just go get a free agent. If they can find one, you are paying market price for that free agent. So he's going to be more expensive than he would otherwise be CE and Kennedy, for example, who we paid a lot Gilmesh. of money to <laughs> underperform, but Gilmesh, you would, you could say maybe lived up to the contract that he had, um, yeah. whereas, whereas it was close. It was a lot closer with him than Kennedy. Kennedy was dead money for years. And so uh, we'll see on, on that. I think you're right. And the starting rotation for me, the focus should be really uh co and singer. You have to figure those two out. They have to fulfill some of their potential. But on on another front, sort of another addition that they need to make or place that they need to figure out. My number one priority for them is finding a center fielder. That could be Kyle Isbell. Yeah, 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 yeah. It could be, and I'm open to that. And that's a cheap option because he's not going to cost much money. Five hundred grand, roughly six hundred grand. That's what you pay a, somebody in there on a rookie contract and major league salary. Um, so that's not going to cost you a ton of money. But there's still question marks about whether or not he can do it. They just haven't seen. I haven't seen enough from him at the major league level to say, "Yep." He's good. Uh, maybe you, uh, you give him like uh, spring training to find it, but you're going to have to sign a center fielder before that. So my thinking is you find a center fielder of some sort. I, if I were them, I would be in the Starling Marte sweepstakes. He's going to be a free agent this offseason. He might be too rich for their blood, but I would at least be in, in on those conversations. Uh, I don't want a reclamation project, and I don't necessarily want Michael A. Taylor back. A lot of people are talking about like, oh, go get Michael A. Taylor. He's had a pretty good season. He's had a really good solid season for him but not one where I would say, oh, you want that guy starting in center field for you on a competing team. He's a fourth outfielder to me, mostly. On a team, on a playoff team, he's a fourth outfielder to me. And so if Kyle Isbell's the the answer, go with Kyle Isbell. I don't know that he is. So I think maybe if you can find a guy for a year or two, go ahead and get him or go ahead and get Starling Marte. And then maybe Isbell fits into the outfield in some other way. If you trade Ben Benintendi, maybe he fits into left field. If you... um Trade Benintendi. maybe the guy you had in center goes to left and Isabel plays in center. There are some options there in the outfield, but finding a center fielder to me is, is a big priority, priority number one, I think, for the team moving forward. Uh, for me, priority number two is get Bobby Witt Jr., Nick Prado, and MJ Melendez ready to play and be ready to sort of play them, have a plan for where they're going to fit within this team. Because right now, if you looked at the roster right now, you would say Nick Prado is blocked by Carlos Santana. MJ Melendez is blocked by Salvador Perez and Bobby Wood Jr. is blocked by some combination of Nicky Lopez and Alberto Mondesi. And so, and maybe Hunter Dozier, if you want to look at third base. And so you need to understand, like answer the question, is Nick Prado going to play over Carlos Santana? Yes, he should. Is MJ Melendez going to play in some sort of rotation with Salvador Perez at catcher slash DH? Yes, that should happen. Is Bobby Wood Jr. going to play third or short every day? Yes, that should be the case. Because at this point, those three have proven so much at the AAA level. They're done there. They're done. They're your next competitive window. So get them to the major leagues and get them ready to start pushing the Royals towards an 85 win season instead of languishing in a 75 win season. If they're lucky, they might make it to that. I doubt they will, but they're ready to start contributing next season at the start of next season. Well, let me tell you one thing. I think then this is my number two focus that contributes to that trade Andrew
0: Benintendi. Right. We've been lucky in that these last couple of weeks, he may have gotten his stock back up a little bit to help him out, but he's, he's probably worth more than what you bought him for at this point. Cause all you got rid of f- was Franchi Cordero for him. Um And, and Calilli. and Oh yeah. And I forgot he went to the Mets, but he hasn't done. I mean, it's not those two guys neither, haven't neither neither done, done anything. anything. Nope. So, you may have an opportunity here to be selling a little bit higher than what you bought him for here in trading Andrew Benintendi. But the real benefit of trading Andrew Benintendi at this point is it makes some space to give a little flexibility where if you do bring up Bobby Witt Jr. And MJ Melendez and Prado, and you're going to use those guys in a combination, you can now move Whit Merrifield to left or right, either one, wherever you like him. And there's an outfield spot for him. Now here's my kind of somewhat dream scenario get Starling Marte in center. You have Isbell in left cause you've traded Benintendi and you have Whit Merrifield and right. That allows Nikki Lopez to play second Mondesi or Whit jr. Whoever you like at short. And then the other person at third. And then of course you have the backup planned of when Mondesi gets hurt. You just move Lopez to short or Bobby Whit jr. And then bring somebody in, in the outfield when Whit moves to second. So like That's my dream. Go get yourself a really uh, a solid relief pitcher uh, for Andrew Benintendi and start shoring that up. I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah, really, the return for Benintendi doesn't have to be tremendous at this point. There is value just in creating space and getting anything for him because what you gave up for him wasn't that much. And so if you can get a really good reliever, if you can get a decent um, – everyday player of some sort, or even a decent bench player, fourth outfielder. Yeah, that that would be valuable for the Royals, I think. Or if you could package him with some other prospects and get maybe a starter of some sort, maybe your answer in center field, isn't Starling Marte, maybe it's package Benintendi with a couple of prospects and you're getting uh, a different kind of prospect or a different um, player in center field. That's fine, but you don't have to get huge return for Benintendi for it to be valuable. He's only got one year left on his contract. You're not going to get huge return no matter what. So if you can get a, a solid reliever, somebody who can come in and help you compete in 2022, go get it. it. makes perfect sense to me. I know that shoring up the bullpen is a big priority for you in this offseason. And so that would be a, a part of it.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, I think some of that's already done. Some of that work is already done because Dylan Coleman is ready to go. He is ready to play major league baseball. Now he's like those other three guys. He's proven about everything he can at AAA. and it's time for him to be up here. Um, but that's not going to do it by itself. We have some pieces that are good in Barlow. You feel pretty good about uh, Stalmont. You feel good about maybe Dylan Coleman. You still got to prove it, but you like what you have there. I don't know if you can rely on Greg Holland anymore. I don't know if Kyle Zimmer is going to be a guy you really want to lean on all that much. Um, And then there's some other guys that I just haven't seen enough of yet. in Pyeops or Payops. What about Brents? Brents, I think, is... I think he's a piece. I think you're going to keep him and go with him. I know he struggled a little more recently, um, but I think he's going to be okay. But if you can go out there and get one more guy, maybe two more guys, you know, if you count Coleman and say, he's going to be good, maybe you just need one more other guy. But I think that's going to be a big deal because I think no matter what, the Royals still want to follow that formula of five or six strong innings from a starter and then a lockdown bullpen in a park like Kaufman.
1: Yeah. I think if they could get to that one or two, I would say two, I, I would think they would want two more really solid or lockdown relievers. And then you got to, yep. you know, of course get rid of guys like Wade Davis. I don't know that Greg Holland. maybe Greg Holland is on the team next year, but I don't know that you want to be counting on him in the eighth and ninth or really in high leverage situations. I'm, I'm uh, blanking so, on the dude's name from Seattle. We got from Seattle, uh, Domingo
0: Tapia Tapia. I actually like him a little bit but I don't know that he stays either
1: yeah bullpens are so volatile you really have to sort of know what you're looking for in a guy like I I, we say bullpens are really volatile and pitchers are bullpen pitchers are really volatile relievers but there are guys who can give you more consistency and I think you look at a guy like Scott Barlow you look at a guy like Josh Stamon even though he was kind of COVID hurt for a while and but he's never been like since he's taken the step forward. He's never really been terrible or anything like that. And so there are like guys you can sort of rely on at least for stretches to be a little bit better. They need to find some of those guys who aren't just going to be like, well, this year he was good. Or for this few weeks, he was good. They need to find guys who are going to find some consistency and maybe, you know, maybe Tapia is one of those guys, but they need to find some quality relief arms who can come in and do well for them next year. Because if you want to compete, that's going to be an important part of it. I think another important part will be replacing Cal Eldred. And I wanted to just bring this up because we're talking about the bullpen. We're talking about the starters. I don't see him as the answer to like knowing what it's going to take to get Kowar on track, to get Singer on track, to keep Keller on track, to get uh, Bubich on track, or maybe to keep him going well, like he has been lately. Uh, I just, I don't see him as the solution to the problems that they have in the starting rotation or in the bullpen. They have to sort of find somebody who is actually a net positive as a pitching coach. As a pitching coach, the weird thing, the way I think about pitching coaches, they all do basically the same thing, right? They create game plans. They do X, Y, Z. They talk about guys' mechanics when they need fixes. They to help guys mentally and things like that but most of them sort of, there's a baseline for it. Like all guys can create a game plan. All guys can talk about mechanics. All guys can help guys out with the mental aspect of the game. Are you a net positive? Are you better than the replacement level pitching coach that they could get? In my mind, Cal Eldred is, is no better than the replacement level pitching coach they could get. They could pull a guy from AAA, they could like a, a pitching coach from AAA, they could pull a guy off the streets who's not working right now. And he'd be just the same as Cal Eldred in my mind. So they need to find somebody who is a net positive as a pitching coach and can really help these young guys take that next step. Cause that's what has to happen. The starting rotation has to take that next step or they're never going anywhere in 2022, 2023 or wherever. The longer they remain loyal to Cal Eldred, the longer they risk their chance to compete. I completely agree with that. We need somebody who's going to bring a focus on
0: throwing strikes and be able to fix some of the command consistency issues with several of our pitchers, and I don't see that being him. He hasn't proved it could be him, so why
1: why would we think it would be? It'll be an odd week this week because the Royals are facing two divisional rivals, but there's virtually nothing at stake at this point. Cleveland is 10 games out of the wildcard hunt and Detroit is, I don't know, let's call it a baker's dozen games out of the out. And so everyone's playing for pride at this point. Uh, Mike, tell us. (laughs) <laughs> we're all playing for pride what is at that this point i don't know i i'm a royals fan how would i know uh i
0: don't know what i could be proud
1: <laughs> tell us about the about the cleveland guardians or the cleveland spiders or whatever they're calling that team in cleveland these days
0: uh the guardians are 73 and 74 we got a doubleheader with the old doubleheader. uh should be a great day for baseball let's play two. all right Singer versus Tristan McKenzie is the matchup that we have for the first game, allegedly, assuming Singer comes off the IL. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, the, the bean pole of a starter, skinny, oh, skinny guy. I've never seen him 24- do that, skinny. He is he so does, skinny, he looks lost in that uniform. Uh, 24 year old <laughs> right handed pitcher, but he's played, he's pitched really well lately, including torching the Royals in, in the last start that he had against us. He's got a 4.28 ERA, but his whip is really low at 1.06 fastball slider curveball throws a lot of those fastballs uh he's one of those uh long-limbed kind of whipping pitchers so uh, but he, he's got decent stuff and and uh, he's really young and they kind of just brought him up and he's done a lot better in the last uh handful of starts so uh not exactly a pushover in that first game the second we don't have any probables for game two of that double header yet that'll kind of be fun to uh see what they try to do. Do they try and cobble together a bullpen game after their bullpen has been used so much recently? I don't know. So we will see. Uh, In the next game, though, we have Lynch versus Cal Quantrill. uh, Cal Quantrill, can't say his name. 26-year-old right-handed pitcher, 2.89 ERA. He's done a good job for him in 20 games started. Sinker baller at 94 and 95. Throws a slider, does throw a four-steam fastball as well, and a changeup. So we've seen him before. We know what he's got. Let's hope that Daniel Lynch can stay in that game uh, and has past any of the injuries, that, problems that pulled him out of the last start. Uh, we got Carlos Hernandez versus Logan Allen after that. Uh, he's, Logan Allen's a decent lefty who we've seen this year. He has struggled with some injuries. Uh, he's only thrown 45 innings, so he should be fresh. Let's hope Hernandez gets back to the way that he was before his last start.
1: Yeah, Hernandez looking like he's not super fresh right now, looking like he's pretty toasted after a long season, but hopefully but, he bounces back.
0: Yeah, and it is still a weak Indians lineup outside of those two dudes. So, you know, yeah, get Fran Reyes out, get Jose Ramirez out. You'll be all right.
1: Yeah. Um, after that will come a Tigers series. The Tigers, young, talented team, up-and-coming team. Surprised a lot of people by finishing. It looks like they're going to finish third in the AL Central. Like I said, very good, young talent. Jim uh, Jamer, I'm going to mispronounce this name because it's spelled weird. I think it's Jamer Candelario and Akil Badu are two off the young offensive performers that they've liked. Akil Badu was a Rule 5 pick for them who has just been – it's like found money with him. He's been – I think he's got a 115 OPS plus right now, which is amazing for somebody they got for free. Uh, and yeah. so a guy who made the jump directly to the majors and has played really well this year. Uh, Pitching-wise, Casey Mize is having another excellent season. He's got a, an ERA in the mid-threes. And then Terry Skubel has had a pretty good year for them Roughly major league average, maybe uh, maybe a little t- a tick better than major league average in terms of his ERA, but consistent pitching. He's, he's thrown 140 some innings, which is the second most for them. And that's what you're looking for. If you can have a guy be major league average for a bunch of innings, you'll take that all day, every day, because those guys are valuable. And he's, he's shown that he can be that for them. A guy who has been hurt a lot in his career and has had trouble staying healthy, has come out and actually pitched quite a bit for them this year. And I'm sure they're loving to see it. The moving forward for the Tigers, they're so interesting because they have a lot of young talent still left to come up. And so especially hitting talent, they'll have Spencer Torkelson is an amazing uh, hitter, uh, amazing hitting prospect who is right on the doorstep. They're just waiting. I'm guessing he starts next year with the team, but a guy like Bobby Wood Jr. for us, who is sort of a masher down, down in, in minor league baseball right now. Not as good defensively doesn't play as premium a defensive position, but really can hit Riley green, another guy for them. Who's had a great year in the minor leagues Another great offensive talent. He'll come up for them sometime soon as well. So there are a lot of prospects on the doorstep for the tigers. They should be a fun team to follow. And if the Royals are ascending right now, which we hope they are, the Tigers are also ascending. So they will be a team, Tigers, White Sox, Royals, what might be like a nice three-way competition for the AL Central for the next four or five years, hopefully.
0: Yeah, uh, Scooble's career path kind of strikes me as a Danny Duffy-esque career path. I don't know nearly as much about him, but like he struggled with some command stuff early. He's still really young, but he's got good stuff. So you're going to stick with him. I've always liked him. And I think if he gets that command stuff figured out and figures how to go deeper into games, I think they have a valuable piece there. Also, what are they going to do with Miguel Cabrera? I don't, I
1: assumed he would just bow out on his own, but like, (laughs) I don't know if he wants to. So uh, I guess he just, I don't know. You can't keep hitting him. He's not, he's not productive enough. And he doesn't do anything. He can't do anything else. And if you can't hit, if you're Miguel Cabrera, then you can't do anything at all. And so <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I, he might call it a day after this season. He might say, I want to play one more year. And they might say, no, thank you.
0: Yeah. You're, what you're going to end up with if he continues to go is an Albert Pool situation where a team does something, even though they don't want to, but they they have to if they feel like they're in a, a, a position to compete. And now you can play him every day because you're the Tigers and you're not in a position to compete. But if they're ascending, you can't hang on to Miguel Cabrera. That's a weird yeah. thing to say. <laughs>
1: no kidding. We'll end this week like we end every week with our Just a Bit Outside segment, where we talk about something that is interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, what is interesting to you outside the world of baseball this week? Uh, right now, I'm interested in fall. I'm getting
0: excited for the coming of fall, which you know, doesn't always happen. Fall is a, is a tough time for me because I start teaching again. I start coaching. My schedule is insane, hectic, but I love summer. But this summer, I'm like, I'm ready to get out of it. And I'm ready for a little bit cooler weather. Uh, We're going to have Oktoberfest here in Lee Summit, I think, coming up soon. I'm ready for a little fall. I'm not a pumpkin spice latte guy, but I'm ready to wear a hoodie, you know,
1: (laughs) again. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Fall might be my favorite season because of the things associated with it. And that is mostly football and cooler weather. And so I'm ready to get out in a hoodie. I'm ready to sort of go for a walk and not sweat constantly. I'm ready for, yeah, I'm ready for all of that. Uh, all the fall related things. I'm ready for pumpkin pie. I don't like lattes, whether they're pumpkin spiced or otherwise, but, uh, I'll eat a pumpkin pie like crazy. Um, and so I'm just ready for all the things associated with fall as well. I'm not ready to rake leaves though. And so, uh, if we can, if we can not have the leaves fall for a little while, that would be lovely. I just mow them up. Yeah. That's probably the best solution. I let them all fall. And, then I mow them up. and i mow them and my, yeah, I my, lawn my yard is. one time okay um <laughs> i'm going to talk about the what i consider is a concept I, I think of as the big swing right and so i i this week i saw the trailer for the new matrix movie which by the way stars my brother bob if, if you guys don't know my brother is keanu reeves uh yeah go ahead mike uh,
0: let me just start with this first off yes our brother bob is an identical twin with keanu reeves Second yeah, or
1: or or he is or Keanu Reeves. Nobody ever really, seen him in the same place know, at the same time. Yeah, Maybe he is yeah, Keanu
0: Reeves. Yeah, but the second thing our listeners need to need to know here is that my brother is obsessed with Keanu Reeves and knows mm-hmm. everything about him. Mm-hmm. He is the president of the Keanu, he's self-created and president of the Keanu Reeves fan club. It's it's a sickness with him. Before we start into this, just know that he is obsessed with Keanu Reeves.
1: Yes, I know every, I'm writing his biography, not with his permission, of course, but I am writing an uh, unauthorized biography of Keanu Reeves. And so I know a lot about him. But anyway, I saw the trailer for the new Matrix movie this week and it reminded me, so the Wachowskis are the the siblings who direct and write the Matrix movies. Uh, I think only one of them is directing this new one. But if you don't know anything about their career, the thing I love about the Wachowskis is they take huge swings. They never try and make like, Little tiny projects that might be kind of good. They take huge swings. They try and make these big, epic, awesome movies that people will remember for the next hundred years. They try and do that every single time, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Some of their movies I don't like. Some of their TV shows I don't like. But every once in a while they hit with one of them, and it's like it's The Matrix or it's Cloud Atlas, which is another movie they've directed that which I absolutely. V- love. I don't know if
0: they directed it, but V for Vendetta. I think one of those I think well. I think they
1: produced V for Vendetta or wrote it maybe. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. the, These are the kind of things that they do. And it made me think about how much I love people who are willing to take the big swing. Christopher Nolan is another guy who is willing to take the big swing with movies like Interstellar and Inception and things like that, where you're just out there and you're taking a big old swing. And it's like, this could be the worst thing anybody's ever seen, or it could be amazing. But I'm I'm interested in people who are willing to take that chance. And even if it doesn't always hit or it falls a little bit short, I can see the greatness in a thing that maybe meant to be a home run, but actually only ended up being a triple or a double. I can still see the greatness in it. And I, so I hope people are out there when they're creating, taking huge swings, because there are people like me out there who, while I appreciate the smaller things, while I appreciate somebody just making a solid movie here and there, I also occasionally want to see somebody take a huge swing. And so if you're making music, if you're writing a book, if you're making a movie, take a big swing or consider taking a big swing, because there are people out there like me who really want to see that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I I I'm not nearly a Keanu Reeves fan as big as you are. Love the guy; he's in some good movies. I'll never see John Wick. What? But eh, What do I care? John Wick. I think actually I think I might have seen the original one way back when it came out. But uh, I, I don't need to see I don't need to see that movie forty times. I mean, come on. But yeah, I, I'm interested to see uh, what this is. I, I have a really good feeling this could be
1: a very bad movie though uh maybe maybe it is maybe we'll be i don't know keanu reeves is in it so it probably won't be it'll probably be great like all his other movies but (laughs) what i was gonna say was when you were like i watched the new trailer
0: for the matrix movie and then i was gonna go and then when he got done pulling his pants up
1: No, it is going to be a great movie. I can feel it already. (laughs) Look at that trailer. Carrie Ann Moss is a treasure. I want to see this movie. It's going to be awesome. But more importantly, it's going to be awesome because it's a big ass swing like all the other Matrix, Matrix movies. You know what else is a huge swing, Mike? Every Roy episode did. of Royals Weekly. Every and so everybody needs to be taking defenses, baby. You think this just happens by accident? No, no. We put work, blood, sweat, tears, some other things, other some fluids other of certain fluids, fluids into this uh, into this episode every week. And so next week we will be back with another episode. I think no, that won't be the last one. Um, we got two more weeks left of this, and then we'll start transitioning to less frequent episodes, and yeah. we'll talk more about that uh, during the as we head into the off season, but. Thank you for tuning into Royals Weekly. Tune in again next week. Be good to each other. And Mike,
0: go Royals.